And we need to use failure as a way to encourage and embolden us to success, not as a stopping point, but as just a checkpoint along the way of success. Podcast PDNC. Where it's not sit and get. It's listen and launch. February 25th, 2021 marked the 10-year anniversary of Digital Learning Day, not just here in North Carolina, but nationwide. With the huge role technology has played in education over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic, many more people have come to realize just how important the effective use of technology in the classroom is. Digital Learning Day has always been a way to highlight effective digital teaching practices, tools, and resources. And this year, the focus was on celebrating and honoring our educators who have stepped up and in many cases out of their comfort zones to ensure their students' success in the face of uncertainty. As ILCs, we decided that an exciting way to share what some of our incredible educators are doing to enhance the learning experience for their students was to get the scoop right from the source. So we decided to host a series of short conversations live on Twitter on February 25th, Digital Learning Day. We spoke in all with 11 different folks from North and South Carolina, all the way up to Michigan. If you weren't able to tune into the live event, we have the links to all the videos on Twitter available on our website at bit.ly forward slash NCILC. That's bit.ly forward slash capital NCILC. We've also decided to use these conversations as part of a series of episodes for moments of inspiration and podcast PDNC. So be sure to be on the lookout for all 11 of these fabulous conversations to drop as podcast episodes coming soon. It's clear when you meet Brian Whitson that he exudes a combination of creative enthusiasm and warmth and kindness. It's one of the reasons his approach to creative design thinking is so successful. In this episode, you'll hear more about how this veteran educator is making design thinking more approachable for the students and the teachers who he works with. We are chatting with Brian Whitson. And Brian, I want to, so if for those of you who are tuning in, if this is your first one, my name is Stacey Lovedahl. I'm an Innovative Learning Catalyst with um, DPI's Digital Teaching and Learning Division, and I'm with my partners in crime, Chris Benick and Molly Holloman, and we are going to talk with Brian a little bit. So Brian, would you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to since we first met way back at NCDLCN? As Stacy mentioned, I'm Brian Woodson, or at least I was on my way into the building. I'm currently an instructional design coach at uh, Carson High School in Rowan, Salisbury. We are in the southern part of Rowan County in China Grove, so we're between Salisbury and Concord. Previously, I was a science and STEM teacher at Salisbury High for 15 years and an instructional technology facilitator for four years at China Grove Middle. But probably the best part of my career, honestly, was when I served as a design thinking and challenge-based learning instructor at North Rand High School, where we got to implement a lot of the ideals we're going to be talking about 
and how we were able to reinvigorate a lot of our high school students. I worked with 10th graders and reinvigorate and get them excited about learning in much the same way that our kindergartners come to school. So I'm excited to share some and that really kind of helped shape some of what we'll be talking about today. I'm going to tell you, you know, we talk a lot of times about how kids are so curious when they're young and that curiosity just, I, I hate to say that it gets squashed, but there you go. So if you are creating some curiosity in 10th graders and saw that happen, that's amazing. I'm really excited to hear more about it. I saw a lot of tweets from you about the Think Conference and your session there. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you think um, creativity and curiosity need to change? Um, our Think Conference was part of our digital learning grant we received from DPI. And so that allowed us to offer that in district. And what we wanted to do was come up with some topics that would really push our educators to think about education very differently. And in that, I came up with um, the case of curiosity and creativity. And a lot of that is based on my experience with my eight-year-old. I remember when we dropped him off in kindergarten. He was just so excited. And there was a little bit a couple of years ago where I saw his interest starting to wane some. You know, that kind of made me wonder. And then when I started teaching at North Rowan, it was a school that was a restart school. School had decided to implement the design thinking, challenge-based learning in with that. And I came in and these were students who were very much turned off to school. In a, in a lot of cases, a lot of them came because it was mandatory. Um, so they didn't get in trouble with attendance. But I could see they had a lot of experiences. They had a lot of creativity and a lot of resilience, which actually goes hand in hand with some of their creative thinking about the world. And so in that experience, we were able to help reconnect them, get them excited about school. A lot of them would tell you, I'm not going to go off and be a scientist, or I'm not going to go off and do this or that. I, I want to do something maybe that's more hands-on, more based on serving my community in a lot of ways. And so we were able to capture a lot of that and reinvigorate their interest in school but what we were also able to do was allow them time to explore things that mattered to them. Um, because it was challenge-based learning, they really selected what it is or what they were going to do for that particular unit within reason. We may have something like a social justice unit, and then in there, they would pick out what they wanted to address. Um, a lot of our students got really interested in the homeless situation we were having here in Rowan County and in the city of Salisbury. And so we were able to connect with speakers. We um, took our students to our homeless shelter and they did a tour, but they also did some volunteer work. They got to have lunch with um, a lot of the clients who come in at lunch and talk firsthand with some of the people that maybe were struggling, whether they were homeless or food insecure. And then we challenged them to take what they had learned and to go back and create a project that somehow could improve things that they had seen. And a lot of them were very impressive. One group was so amazing because they realized that not everyone at the homeless shelter is homeless, but in a lot of ways, they may not have a job or they determined there were other needs. It wasn't just homeless. So the name could be a little misleading. But what they came up with was a project to collect professional clothes 
and to design some training to help individuals when they want to interview for jobs to know how to dress appropriately. They even talked about, you know, down to how do you take care of like your nails and hair. And they organized a clothing drive to collect, you know, professional looking clothes that could be given and distributed at the shelter for those who might need them and some trainings to help them. And even technology, you know, how do we help people get online and apply for jobs? Because so many of them are internet based applications. So it was really amazing what the students came up with. And it was very much divergent thinking. We would guide and facilitate them. But we rarely really push them in any direction other than just to keep them motivated. We've been talking about personalized learning in some way, shape, or form for for a long time now. And I love the way this challenge-based learning is inherently personalized. It's in, And your kids took it in all of these different directions that were the best of everything because the students were driving that learning. And that's the, you know, when we try to come up with examples of student-centered, student-led, student-driven, that to me really, that just hits the nail on the head. It, it does. And it really was like Vygotsky back 101 that I remember from my ed psychology course. Uh, but it, we also had them have the chance to evaluate themselves mm-hmm. and each other. There, there was a high degree of student feedback that they would give to each other. And it was now, did that feed into like what you were talking about before about the role of mistakes that, you know, they're not going to get this whole thing right the first time. Yeah, and that, that's what we helped our students. You know, a lot of our students had had a lot of these adverse experiences growing up where they didn't get something or, you know, what we would call those ACEs for um, social emotional learning. We were able to kind of take that and, and they didn't necessarily have because they had experienced, you know, maybe not being successful or what we would call failing as opposed to failures where failing is a process or a stop along the way. Mm-hmm. But we were able to build that resilience. And a lot of them actually motivated each other. They'd be like, you remember when you were in seventh grade and this happened and you went on. And even as 10th graders, they were able to connect. So helping our students realize that really failing, and we often celebrate it, actually. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's um, awesome. Opposite. Yeah, we, we would have failure parties and, you know, claps and like you failed, you know, to help our students understand that failing is a process on the way to success. We need to use failure as a way to encourage and embolden us to success, not as a stopping point, but as just a checkpoint along the way of success. So I'm going to throw this over to Chris because I'm sure this is pressing his, he's got a favorite phrase about, um, that, that fits right in. You're talking about the speed bump phrase? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people call those kind of things roadblocks, right? But, but I, I reword that and say, no, they're speed bumps because roadblocks to me, gives the idea that we're stopping, that we can't go forward. Whereas a speed bump is something that, okay, it's there, it's slowing us down, right? And depending on how big it is, it's going to determine how much faster we can get past it. But we can get past it, and we will get past it. So that's just one of my little preachy things that I like to put out there. But it's it's kind of stuck. Yeah, I, I love the checkpoint or the roadblock. I definitely think there's a good ways to think about it. There's this quote that Voltaire made, and I'll, I'll do it the best I can. Le meilleur um, est l'ennemi du monde, which basically, and I know that was rough for my French speakers out there, Francophones, but it's like perfection is the enemy of the good. 
And I think so often our students think about when they're designing or creating things that it has to be perfect. And for some of them, that just stifles and stops them in the point. And what we found with what we were doing, especially with helping our students become creators and designers, is we can't let that be that road bump um, or, you know, we've got to have a student see that it really is the checkpoint along the way is sometimes getting it done and pushing through. If we're worried too much about perfection, it can stop us from going and we've got to suspend that. We want to do a good job, obviously. obviously. My cat is not wandering the house, only my dog, but we named our cat Voltaire. And oh. because of that phrase, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but um, because of that, that quote from him is in. So, you know, Voltaire walks around and just reminds me when I'm obsessing over the deadlines coming and it's just not right and I don't feel done. Perfection is the enemy of the good. Get with it, Stace. You can you can do it and you can always pick it up again and do another iteration of it. So you were mentioning a book that you wanted to make sure you shared with us. And I don't want us to run out of time. I actually have two books. One is this one. I don't know how well you can see it, but it's called Lifelong Kindergarten. It's by Mitchell Resnick, and it's subtitled Cultivating Creativity Through Projects, Passion, Peers, and Play. And really, this is, he has a lot, he's an MIT professor. He has a lot of connections that help you see how passion and play um, really kind of pull in here with what we need to do for creativity. Another one I love, this is by Michael Cohen, the tech rabbi. It's educated by design. Those would be two great places I would recommend you get started if you're interested in learning more. I did want to share an activity with you. I'm from Salisbury, so hopefully you can see that okay. Um, Cheerwine, yes. Cheerwine, yeah. We're, we're home of Cheerwine, obviously, and um, we love it. But you'll notice this is essentially a soda bottle. So one of the activities I love to do is to give this object and ask people to think of ways they could use it. So I'm going to ask each of you, uh, I'll give you some pause time, but to think of some ways that you could use this and just to call them out. So when you're ready, if you'll just call out one use for this. I'd put sand in it and make it a doorstop. Okay. Nice. I'd put water in it, freeze it, and use it in a cooler. Okay. Awesome. I've done that myself. I'd chop it up, add string, and make it a bird feeder. Okay. Awesome. What I love that you guys have done is you went from more obvious, you know, ways to use it, you know, to hold a liquid or to hold cheer wine in this case, to more creative ways, right? And I, I joke, I grew up in the mountains, so I, I say, you know, I grew up in the country, so you had to learn to use things in very different ways than they were intended when you brought them home, since stores are really far away. Um, but I, I love the idea of the bird feeder. I've seen this done at home, so it's a very innovative use of this. Um, Chris, I use these to start cooling down a cooler for a trip, so it's a great mm -hmm. way. I've used, used milk jugs to do that myself. And, and Molly, I think your use of using it as a doorstop is a way that I've never heard or seen before. And I love that because you're using the resources where you are, you're, mm -hmm. you know, the outer banks, use sand, and then to hold a door. So very innovative use. So what I do with students is ask them to list. And our students sometimes go for the easy, low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. And then what we do is we give them some time and encourage them, depending on the class, to think of some more creative and innovative solutions like each of you guys came up with. That's why you're catalysts. So um, 
trying to do that. And then we call out and we see who has ways that no one in the class has used. So if you call out to hold a liquid, someone says, I've got it, you mark it off the list. So you get points mm -hmm. for anything that has not been shared. And it really generates some new ideals. One of my good colleagues, Cheryl Chauncey, came up with a way to put several of these together to create a raft. That's pretty ambitious, but it shows that we're beginning to develop that creative thinking mindset where we're really looking at new ways to use previous ideals or current ideals or materials. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things we need to really push our students to do. We could talk to you for an hour. We could talk to you all morning. And maybe we need to schedule you for a second session where we get into <laughs> in more detail because you have so many great ideas. Or another podcast. Just or another podcast. Yeah, um, love to. Brian, we want to thank you for all of your, your wisdom and your ideas. Thank, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you guys. And to all those out there, continue to do great things with our students, both creatively and to make them more curious. At the end of each episode, we sign off with a challenge. Since Podcast PDNC isn't sit and get, but rather listen and launch, the episode's challenge will involve reflection and ignite some change. For these DL Day recordings, we hope that you'll reflect on what you heard from our guest and consider how his passion might influence practice in your classroom. How has Brian encouraged you to infuse more creativity and curiosity in learning experiences? We'd love to hear about it on our social media channels using hashtag podcastpdnc or drop us an email. Our contact information and show notes for the podcast can be found on our website bit.ly forward slash podcastpdnc, all lowercase. You can follow Brian on Twitter at Cybri, that's S-C-I-B-R-I. In the words of the fictional but fabulous coach Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. Podcast PDNC. It's not sit and get. It's listen and launch. Five, Thanks for listening to Podcast PDNC. We'd love to feature your ideas and expertise on a future episode. To contribute and to find out more information, please check out our website at bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC. That's bit.ly forward slash podcast PDNC. Podcast PDNC was written, recorded, and produced by the NCDPI Digital Teaching and Learning Innovative Learning Catalysts, Molly Holloman, Stacy Lovedahl, and Chris Bennett. It is available through our website, through Anchor.fm, and through Spotify, with more platforms to come soon. The sound effects used in this episode were taken from the BBC Sound Effects Library, which can be found at bbcsfx.acropolis.org.uk. Thanks for joining us, and we do look forward to hearing from you.